Blog Talk Radio. Here's Galchenyuk, Cantonier scores! And now it's Gallagher. Gallagher stepping in and shoots, scores! Alex Galchenyuk up for the drop, look at it, he's in alone, waiting, scores! This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. All right, hi everybody, welcome to episode 202 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, March 11, 2017. My name is Chris G, and you can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. And since our last episode, the Canadians played a total of three games, three games on the road. They started off at Madison Square Garden last Saturday. The Canadians all over the New York Rangers by a score of 4-1. to one. And then the Canadians headed to Western Canada. Started off on Tuesday night in Vancouver with a 2-1 win in uh, overtime. And then on a Thursday night in Calgary, the Flames all over the Habs. They beat the Canadians by a score of five to nothing. Canadians now have played 68 games. Can you believe there's only 14 games remaining in the regular season? They have a record of 38, 22, and eight. Gives them 84 points. They have a two-point lead over the Ottawa Senators, but the Senators do have two games in hand. And then while the Boston Bruins... They're eight points behind the Canadians and only have one game in hand. So that this seems to, that's where the cushion is. It looks like it'll be between the Canadians and the Senators uh, when it comes to the battle of the first place in the division. If you look at sportsclubstats.com, where the Canadians' chances look to make it to the playoffs, at one point a couple of weeks ago, they had dropped down to the 80% mark, but now they're looking good at a 99.5% chance of making it to the playoffs. And while the Canadians, they're on the 7-3 and three in the last 10 games stretch, so that definitely did, uh, has helped them. Our question of the day for today's episode, since joining the Montreal Canadiens, Claude Julien has focused on rebuilding the confidence of the players. He keeps talking about it almost on a daily basis. So now we're asking you, Montreal Canadiens fans, has your confidence increased in the Canadians? You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360, and you can also go to the All Habs Facebook page and leave us your comments there. Joining us in about 20 minutes' time, 20, 25 minutes, will be Douglas Gallivan, sports anchor at CBC Montreal. He's going to come and talk Montreal Canadiens with us. Joining me now, editor-in-chief and owner of the All Habs Network of Sites. You can follow me on Twitter at 
uh, all Habs live from Syracuse on the road again, covering the ice cap. It's Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? Doing great. You're right. The uh, Rock Sports team is uh, in Syracuse, New York tonight, reporting for AHL.Report. Uh, we're reporting on the uh, St. John's Ice Caps who are in town to take on uh, the Syracuse Crunch tonight. Ice Caps uh, coming off a victory last night in Rochester uh, where they beat the Americans 3-2. to two. So uh, happy to be here and, and bring you the, uh, the action from the Baby Habs. And now it's time for this week's Winners and Losers on Habs 360. And well, let's start talking about not the baby Habs, the, I don't know, the adult Habs, we'll call them, Montreal Canadiens, for our winners and losers segment, most popular segment in the world of uh, podcasts. So every week, myself and Rick, we name a, a winner and a loser each uh, related to the Montreal Canadiens and uh, to what's happened since uh, in the last seven days. And, well, I'll start off first. And we'll start off with the, with the winners. Canadians won two out of their last three games. They've won seven out of their last ten. So it's still positive overall around the team. And, well, my winner of the week is Paul Byron. Through speed through center. Drops it off for Galchenyuk. Alex Galchenyuk gets away from Berchi. Galchenyuk with a shot. Scores! Well, you know, from what I see, he's, having, he's definitely having a good year. But to his speed... Uh, it, it creates a lot of things, and uh, you know, last night was no exception to that. Uh, Paul just puts people on their heels when when he attacks and when he four checks. He's a great skater. Uh, well, as I said, he's having a great year right now, and uh, I think his confidence is at its best. So uh, certainly been a great asset, and a great pickup for the Montreal Canadiens. And while we heard that Paul Byron's overtime winner on the Tuesday in Vancouver, so John Bartlett did call it as an Alex Galchenyuk goal, but it was a deflection, and uh, the puck trickled in past Ryan Miller to give the Canadians a uh, a victory. So that was the 16th goal of the season, his 29th uh, point of the season. He's up to a plus 11 in the plus-minus category. And, well, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, there's 14 games remaining. Paul Byron is four goals short of hitting that 20-goal mark. So I think he has a chance of uh, of reaching that plateau. But wouldn't that be a surprise if uh, Paul Byron uh, actually hits the 20-goal uh, mark after coming in last season? Not really known in general by Montreal Canadiens fans. And while he ends up being a 20-goal scorer, at least he'll definitely exceed my expectations. That goal against the Canucks that we heard, like I said, it was a lucky goal. But we've seen Galchenyuk, uh, sorry, we've seen Paul Byron uh, his, use his speed, like I told you, mentioned in the clip uh, that we played. And on Thursday, in the game against the uh, Calgary Flames, a game that the Flames uh, dominated, we saw Paul Byron drop the gloves against uh, against Chris uh, Versteeg. So. I don't know if he was just annoyed. I don't know if he was just trying to send a message to his team. But uh, Paul Byron, he was there. He dropped the gloves. He didn't look that bad in that fight. It was actually quite the interesting fight. That uh, Two small guys. And while well, the punches were being... At least they were swinging away. Were they accurate? If they were, hitting, if they were landing anywhere, that's the uh, different story. So, Rick, Paul Byron, 
he's uh, my winner of the week. I think it's a great choice. I'm going to agree with you. Um, remarkable, as you say, that he has 31 points already this season, fifth on the team. A um, couple of other stats that are, are, for me, even more revealing about his impact on the team, and that's uh, his five game-winning goals um, right there with, with uh, tied with Alex Galchenyuk, one back of Max Pacioretty, five game-winning goals for Paul Byron. Um, which has, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's been an impact player. Uh, the other one that is, I think is kind of remarkable is he leads the team in shooting percentage. He's over 20%, 21% in shooting percentage. And, you know, that's what we heard from, for, from Flames fans when, when, the, uh, when he came over from the Flames is he got all kinds of chances, but no finish. Well, this Paul Byron, the Paul Byron with the Montreal Canadiens, he has plenty of finish. Uh, 21% shooting percentage is remarkable. He's uh, uh, Galchenyuk is second at about 17, 17.8, I think. Uh, so um, I think his finish, his speed, um, and his his uh, impactful goals, the game-winning goals, all make uh, Paul Byron, um, you know, a, 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 certainly. Um, a very worthy uh, winner of the week, but also uh, he's been a terrific player this season. Do you think he's going to reach the, the 20 goal plateau? I do. I, I think he has uh, plenty of time left. He, he seems to manufacture um, his own op- or makes the most of his opportunities. So uh, with, if he can maintain that kind of shooting percentage, I don't see uh, any reason why he won't get the 20. Yeah, that would be quite the accomplishment. All right, so Rick, uh, tell us who uh, your winner of the week is. Well, I almost picked him last week, and uh, I just just can't can't bypass him this week, and that's uh, that's Carey Price. Uh, Carey Price has uh, won his uh, well. If we just look at his last five games, uh, five wins. He's given up just five goals in those five games, and a save percentage that's uh, approaching about 960 in those games. Um, I know that there was a period of time when some of the fans seemed to have lose, lost confidence. Uh, and there was all kinds of silly, you know, criticizing his, his uh, technique, you know, he's dropping too soon or his blocker side, or maybe his bad lateral movement. I don't, I don't think it's, it was that at all. Um, I think the Canadians had a bad penalty kill. And one of the things, and, and Carey Price's uh, five-on-five save percentage has always been good but this season, but um, the penalty uh, kill um, save percentage suffered. Um, Arpen Basu tweeted something interesting this week, and he said that under uh, Michelle Therrien, uh, Carey Price was getting, on average, five shots per game w- while the team was shorthanded. Under Julien, it's less than half. It's 2.25 shots per game. Um, and this says a couple of things. Um, first of all, Canadians are better on the penalty kill. They're, they're better structured. They've gone from the diamond to the, to the box. They're, they're better defensively. But they're also more disciplined because they're taking fewer penalties. So um, – with Carey Price facing fewer shots on the, the, the penalty kill, um, he's able to, his save percentage is, is increasing, 
Uh, his five on five stays the same. Um, if we look at, at goaltenders who played more than uh, 30 or more games, Price and Holtby are at the top. Uh, they're tied number one for first in the league for five on five save percentage at 939. Um, and adding that, that piece that Julian has brought, and that's uh, an improved penalty kill, and Price is back to, to in the eyes of all, uh, to the Price that, that we know and love uh, from before. So um, for all those reasons, uh, you know, Kerry Price is bringing confidence. He, he's he's um, a leader in the room. He's doing all those kinds of things. Uh, for all those reasons, I think Kerry Price is uh, going to be the winner of the week. And I'm sure you're going to agree with that. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard not to, to agree. He's had a about a 950 save percentage since uh, since Claude Julien took over the team. Uh, one thing where where I won't agree with you, like I'm, I'm sure you're shocked about this, <laughs> is even the, the the body language of Carey Price now compared to uh, the end of uh, the Michel Therrien era, I think it's totally different. He looks a lot more confident now, like you like you mentioned. But I, I know you, you mentioned the stats about the penalty killing and how it's gotten better under Claude Julien, and you know we can't uh, we can't deny that. That's a fact as well. But I'm not ready to say that uh, during Michel Therrien's uh, Michel Therrien's tenure that that was the reason that his stats at least weren't looking uh, as good. He didn't, his body language didn't look good during that period. If you remember, I think it was a game against the Coyotes in Arizona where there was a puck. He had no idea where the puck was. And his body language, the way he was playing, he was almost one bad goal a game towards the end. So... Yes, I agree that part of it has to do with a penalty kill, but I'm still convinced that there was um, there was more to it than uh, than uh, than just that. Uh, in terms of his stats this week, he played two out of three games. He, he made 26 saves against the New York Rangers. He made 27 saves against the Vancouver Canucks. He was scheduled to start the game against the Calgary Flames, but he didn't because of uh, the flu. And Rick, with 14 games remaining, Canadians only have uh, two uh, back-to-back games with, against the Senators in uh, in a little bit over a week. And then it's at the end of the season where they have back-to-back games. Assuming health, how do you see Carey Price's usage being until the end of the regular season? Do you see him playing most or all those games? Well, I, th- I think that the, the plan has to be he, – he's going to play most of the games. I think the plan has to be a little bit flexible given um, uh, that they, they want to make sure that, that he has some rest for the playoffs. But it's going to depend on, on uh, where the Canadians are in the standings, if they can, they can improve their, um, themselves, if they're going to be in a dogfight with the Senators. Um, I, I, I think – there's a couple of factors that are going to come into play, but generally um, because of, of the relatively light schedule compared to what they've, they've uh, already been through, uh, we're going to see price in most of those games. All right. So Rick, why don't you tell us who uh, your loser of the week is? Well, I think I'm going to continue on because we've, we've, we're dissecting Carey price here and, and his importance to the team. 
Uh, I'm going to say that my loser is um, the team without Carey Price. And we got a good dose of that um, on Thursday night uh, against the Flames. The Flames coming out with a 5 nothing win. Um, now, you're going to assume that that uh, by, by me saying that um, – you know, my loser is is the team without Carey Price. That that's some sort of criticism against Al Montoya, and that's that's not what I'm getting at here. Uh, would Carey Price have saved a couple of those uh, that Montoya let in? Yeah, probably. But that's that's not my point so much. It's just that um, the the mar- margin of error is is so tight. Uh, you know, we look at at the nine games since uh, Claude Julien's been um, uh, the co- uh, head coach in his, his second turn, uh, of those nine games, the Canadians have seven wins, uh, but just two regulation wins. So, um, you know, uh, five of those wins are coming um, either in the shootout or overtime. Um, and there's only one of those games, and that was against the Rangers uh, that you mentioned uh, last week. Uh, where the Canadians have won uh, by two, two or more goals. Um, and so I think that, that uh, the team is heavily reliant on, on price, again, because the offense is sputtering, um, but because, um, you know, they know that price is going to be there to make that big save. They know that, that price is going to be back there to move the puck um, up when they need that. Uh, they know that Price is going to be there to uh, intimidate the shooters of the other team. They know that Price is going to be in the room and be vocal if 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 necessary. So I think, you know, uh, one of the questions um, uh, that we're asking is is and and the focus on confidence um, this week. I think the team is just a, a much more confident team. Um, when Carey Price uh, is in net and without, without him, um, you know, since Claude Julien's been around, we've only seen that. We've only seen two games with Montoya. Uh, one of them was the um, game against the Devils uh, when uh, Patrick, Radulov, Galchenyuk just took over the game and uh, they won in overtime. Um, we don't have Radulov right now. The, the Canadians, we're not seeing Radulov right now. The, the Canadians don't have him. And without that offense, there's, there's, they're really relying on, again, on Carey Price. And um, the team without him just doesn't, just doesn't seem the same. Um, they didn't seem to have it at all on Thursday night. Yeah, and like you mentioned, what you, uh, uh, I think Almontoy was the best player of the Canadians against of the Flames. And if you if you just watch the scoreline, you'd see that he allowed five goals on 38 shots, and you'd probably think that we're crazy for saying that for Montoya, but it, it's also indicative of how the other players were playing or weren't playing that game against the uh, the Calgary Flames. Let's hear a couple of uh, post game uh, comments. We just couldn't get anything going coming out of our end, and yeah, it was lack of execute lack of execution. But I think um, the effort has to be there before you get to the puck. For uh, you know, all five guys on the ice. When you're not, uh, you don't have the energy, uh, and your skating game's not there. The rest of your game suffers, and we weren't executing because we were we weren't skating. And uh, they played well. Their game was on the was at its best, and uh, and you can see why they're on a pretty good roll right now. So uh, it's unfortunate. We were looking for a 
you know, a good matchup of two teams that have been playing well, but uh, uh, we came out uh, real flat here tonight. It's on us. We we didn't show up right from the start. You know, we didn't have the compete. We didn't have the battle that we've had as of late. And as a result, you know, we lost five nothing. It's you know, obviously you hand it to them. They played good hockey, but for us, to look at ourselves in the mirror tonight. We didn't play well enough to win. Regroup and get ready for Edmonton. So we heard that from uh, Max Pacioretty, Claude Julien, and uh, Brendan Gallagher, none of them impressed with their team's performance uh, that night against the uh, Calgary Flames. And while uh, Rick mentioned it, there's the uh, flu bug that's going around the Montreal Canadiens dressing room. We saw in a game against, well, we found out after the game against the Canucks that uh, Tori Mitchell spent most of the first period in uh, the bathroom after scoring a goal. Uh, Max Pacioretty did mention that uh, he was hit with the flu bug, probably the first one to bring it in the dressing room. Then on the Thursday night, Carey Price didn't start in goal uh, against Calgary because of the flu. And now as practice is about to get underway in uh, Edmonton, uh, Canadians have announced that Paul Byron will not be practicing uh, due to a virus. So it seems like this bug is getting bigger and bigger uh, in its attack. And while... Is this an excuse that the Canadians lost on Thursday against the Flames? Uh, I don't believe in excuses, you know, and I'm not going to use that as an excuse, you know, uh, uh, whether that's, uh, you know, a fact or not. Uh, there wasn't 20 guys out there with the flu. and So it's not an excuse. There was 20 guys who didn't have the flu against the Calgary Flames. And, uh, well, so that's a, a good transition to a my loser of the week, which is uh, Alexi Emelin. Who knows if he has the flu? Uh, the way that I think he's been playing the last, what, seven to ten days, I hope he does have it. At least that would make it a good excuse. And it also, if we look, stick to the last, uh, let's say to the last week, since our last episode, it was a goal against the New York Rangers where the, the Rangers defenseman uh, forward was coming in on the, the left wing side. Jeff Petrie had that player. And then for some unknown reason, Alex Hamlin came on the right side as well to, I don't know, help out Petrie or whatever he was thinking of doing. And that led to a 2-on-1 for the New York Rangers. And while the puck ended up behind the net, the only goal that the Rangers scored uh, that night. And you were able to see that as soon as that goal was scored, at the bench, Claude Julien, he took a look and he, uh, towards uh, Jean-Jacques Daigneault. Well, what did he tell him? Who knows? But uh, let's hear what uh, the coach said on uh, Alex Hamlin prior to the game against the Canucks. There's probably a good possibility he'll be there uh, with Emmy. Uh, in, my, in my estimation. He, he's, he should be an everyday lineup guy. He's that good. And I think right now he's just, he's just struggling a little bit. I think sometimes with the, some decision making with the puck, without the puck, and uh, so sometimes just taking a step back because uh, uh, and give him an opportunity to maybe watch if that's the case. Uh, he'll come back a better player, and uh, uh, I know we need him. He's a very physical player. He's a hard player to play against. And uh, so, still positive message from uh, Claude Julien uh, towards Alex Emlin. Emlin didn't play the game against the Vancouver Canucks. But he was back in the lineup to face the Calgary Flames. And, well, you think he'd come out uh, and play a better game, a more solid game. So that's what the, the point of the one game uh, sitting in the stands in the press box was for. And while uh, he didn't have 
a, a great game, but he wasn't the, the only one. Like the whole team uh, did not play against the Calgary Flames. But there was a goal where it was the first goal of the Calgary Flames where in the offensive zone, he pinched in. And while well, the, the Flames were able to take the puck out of the zone, they came in on a two-on-one. Uh, Phil Dano, he wasn't able to make it back to cover the, uh, the open um, the forward. Jeff Petrie, I don't know, I think it was like a spinorama a la Denis Savard that he did on that play, but he didn't look good either on that play, and it ended up leading to a uh, to a goal. So Alex Emlin, he's been struggling for the last, and at least in my at least the last seven to ten days. And Rick, that's why I'm naming him my loser of the week. Yeah, I, I understand that, and and uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, I, I didn't I didn't think that uh, Emlin was was uh, that bad against Calgary. Uh, certainly in that game, um, you know he had there was there was a lot where in my opinion Jordy Ben was the the weakest defenseman, um, and and um, he had a rough game. Beaulieu had kind of an up and down game. Um, I didn't. I didn't like uh, Emlyn's game uh, against the Rangers. Um, I th- I think that Alexei Emlyn is is, and we've seen this before, is a bit of a creature of habit. And you know he's been moved off of the the first pairing with Weber. Um, and it's it's the, his adjustment hasn't come as quickly um, as as uh, maybe Markov or you know uh, moving with Weber. Um, so it's taking him some time, and and um, I, I think that Julian uh, said all the right things. That he's because of being a creature of habit, he's having trouble with uh, decision making and, and learning to play with another partner. But that he's needed, and he's he's a really tough player to play against. Um, I guess what I don't like is um, you know some of the the vitriol uh, target him. And, and this seems to be driven by, by some of the media who uh, there's even some xenophobic overtones uh, just against uh, him being a Russian player and, and a monolith and all those kinds of things. There's, there's a hatred out there for Emlyn that makes it really tough to have a rational discussion about him. Um, Cause you can look at, I mean, his numbers are really quite good uh, for the season. His numbers are great. Uh, if you look at goals against per 60, second on the team, second on the team, he, he and Weber lead the team in, in um, um, being best uh, goals against per 60. Uh, Jeff Petrie's the, the worst. So now you move Emelin with him and, um, and, and it's been causing some problems. Um, so I, I think that, um, you know, I, I'm, there's, there's, when you look at a player like Jordy Ben, Jordy Ben is a really likable guy, and oh, and you know he's great to have. Jordy Ben had a rough game. Nobody says a word. Um, Emlyn has a rough game, and everyone is just all over him with just some vicious, vicious things. And that's what where I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to part company with with a lot of those people, because he's a good defenseman. He's as as uh, Claude Julien said, he's very valuable, and. Um, and uh, I, I think we'll we'll leave him as I'll agree with you as as uh, a loser of the week here, but but still is a guy that I want to see in the lineup, and it's going to be important for the playoff run and into the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, just uh, we'll just wrap it up on this on this uh, topic. 
I think the the difference in the in the criticism between Ben and Alexia Emelin is that Alexia Emelin was playing as a number one, number two defenseman, where Jordy Ben is playing as a number five and number six defenseman. So the expectations aren't the same for uh, for both uh, for both players. So risk. Uh, enjoy. Syracuse and enjoy the game tonight and we'll be reading well sorry we'll be looking for the coverage on Twitter at the AHL report and uh, we'll be uh, reading for all the coverage on the AHL.report as well that's right Uh, and even look on Instagram AHL uh, report we'll have uh, some photos there so look for all the coverage and uh, and uh, thanks again for having me and we'll see you again next week all right talk to you later Rick All right, so we're going to take our first break. Uh, Still to come later on uh, today's episode, it's our question of the day. Claude Julien has focused on rebuilding the confidence of the players. Uh, We're asking you, as a Montreal Canadiens fan, has your confidence increased in the uh, Canadiens? You can let us know via Twitter at Habs360, and you can also leave us your comments on the uh, All Habs Facebook page. Coming up next, Douglas Gallivan, from sports anchor from CBC Montreal, will be joining us to talk some Montreal Canadiens with us. So stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featuring allhabs.net. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Ticket IQ, today's leading sponsor, is a leading event ticket search engine. Offering a low price guarantee on all events in Montreal, you will not find better deals on Canadians' tickets than through Ticket IQ. Download their mobile app in the App Store or Google Play and get $20 off your first order. Head to the App Store, search Ticket IQ, and be on your way to the best deals on Canadians' tickets. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net.
All right, welcome back to episode 202 of the Habs 360 podcast for this Saturday, March 11, 2017. My name is Chris G at the Chris G 1980. Uh, the Canadians are practicing in uh, Edmonton as we speak. We'll give you some uh, news and notes from the practice uh, later on uh, today's episode. But joining me now on the line, uh, you've heard him here on uh, the uh, podcast before. He's a sports anchor on the CBC Montreal. It's uh, Douglas Galvin. Hi, Doug. How you doing? Hi, Chris. Great, great, thank great. And uh, thank you for joining us uh, once again. And My well, pleasure. One, one of the critiques uh, towards Michel Therrien was that the Montreal Canadiens, uh, there'd be no-shows on uh, too often. In 10 games since uh, Claude Julien joined the team, Canadians have a record of 7-3. and three. Uh, Five out of those wins were either in overtime or shootout. And the three losses, the game against the Jets, the Islanders, and the Flames, the Canadians weren't really in those games. So that has just any differences. Well, differences between the teams' play, yeah, I think you can see a a rise in the the confidence level in in the players, and especially in those tight games. Um, That game against Calgary might have been one of those ones where you put your backup goalie into the game and there's that bit of a drop of uh, enthusiasm level out of the players and you get down a goal or two and then it just sort of feels like the the wheels come off the bus there. We've seen the Habs do that to Al Montoya a a couple of times uh, this year already. So that one was kind of tough to watch. And, you know, those other losses that you did mention, again, those games were kind of ones that the team tended to mail in. So, you know, you can look at it and say that uh, these close games that the Habs are winning, I mean, when Mark Bergevin stepped to the podium to talk after the trade deadline and talked about the acquisitions that he made, he made a very clear point that to win at this time of the year, it will be kind of And any time the game gets a little bit away from that, you can see that the Habs will struggle a little bit uh, there. So uh, a, a tough one uh, to put your head around because you were kind of hoping to see a little bit more consistency from the team and having a big drop like that against Calgary is kind of counterintuitive to the fact that you think uh, to the, the to the narrative that uh, things have turned around a little bit for them, but I do see the team playing with a little bit more confidence. I think they're settling into uh, what Julian's asking them to do, and he talked about you know reestablishing the possession game, and I think you can make a, a solid argument that that is uh, is what you're seeing a little bit more of uh, from the Montreal Canadiens, especially when Carey Price is in between the pipes and they have that confidence that he's behind them and he's going to be able to bail them out uh, and keep them in those tight games. I know. And at the beginning of the season, uh, when uh, Carey Price, he, he was injured, so Almontoy started off the season, and the Canadians were doing uh, pretty good. They were scoring three, four goals a game. And we thought that, you know what, other years, it was always uh, Carey Price's team, and he was carrying them. But it's even during the final stretch of Michel Terrier's uh, regime, and the game against the Flames, it still seems that it's still Carey Price's team that he's that uh, he's carrying <laughs> the Canadians. Well, yeah, I think the difference is well, October isn't March, right? So um, you can have guys scoring like Tory Mitchell in October and November, and then see those kind of secondary scoring guys dry up 
Uh, it's not a great thing to be sort of tagged as Mr. October in hockey, but you see that year <laughs> from year. I mean, last year we talk about uh, maybe Dale Weiss with his uh, big start that he had as well. Uh, these guys kind of setting themselves off on 60 goal paces and then uh, they kind of come back to reality. So, uh, you know, it is still Carey Price's team. I, I think that was also clear when uh, Bergevin talked after that trade deadline. Uh, he's, he essentially, you know, pen the fact that, you know, yes, we didn't go out there and get that top six forward that all the fans are hoping for to kind of spur the offense forward. But Carey Price is the X factor here. And if he can keep us in games, we have a chance to win. So um, I, I think those results in early season, while they can be encouraging at times, I remember coming on the show with you guys earlier this year and talking about the Hab start and uh, trying to put, sort of put it in perspective. But uh, unfortunately, when we're kind of looking through the lens of what has just happened recently, it's hard to sort of see what October is going to look like when you get to an area like March. But if you take a step back and see kind of how the, the, the narrative of the season goes on, uh, it's, it's clear that every year when we get down into the March and April games, uh, the hockey changes, the, the referees start to keep the whistle in the pocket a little bit more. There's a little bit more clutching and grabbing. There is a lot tighter games, and that's where goaltending, like Carey Price's ability, can be the big difference maker, whereas you see teams that had a lot of scoring. If you just go on a little bit of a drought and you don't have that goalie to keep it within two goals or fewer, you're going to have trouble winning hockey games. And uh, since uh, Claude Julien, the last 10 games, uh, Carey Price has had a save percentage of almost uh, 950. Is is that a coincidence? Because he was struggling right before that. I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, if you look at Claude Julien and the way that he structured his teams, especially in Boston over the last 10 years, I mean, look at the goaltenders that he had. He had uh, Tim Thomas, Tuka Rask. He elevated both of those guys I think with the system that he puts in place and the way that he gets his teams to play hockey. So uh, he's a guy, I think if you look back and see the goalies that he's had, it has a way of elevating those goaltenders. And I mean, Carey Price doesn't need a whole lot of elevation based on systems, but if you're seeing what he was doing in uh, leading up to that uh, coaching change and then what he's doing afterwards, I think there's an argument that can be made that the system that, uh, what Julian has in, uh, put in place with the Montreal Canadiens, the possession-based, the refocus on that, uh, that Carey Price is being a little bit of a benefactor of that. Uh, have the scoring chances uh, been less uh, dangerous uh, on Carey Price? I mean, he's still uh, in, the, in that slumping period that he had. There was a few times where we were looking at it wondering, this isn't really what we know of Carey Price. That's not a goal that he normally lets in. Um, so maybe there was a bit of motivation factor there with the coaching, but I do believe that the system is helping Carey Price a little bit as well. And any help you can give to a player like Carey Price can only elevate things. So uh, as long as he's in there, the team has a chance. And I think him and uh, Julien are a good pair because of the history that you see with Claude Julien and his goaltenders. So I trade deadline, like you mentioned, uh, Mark Bergevin didn't go pick up that top six four that uh, everybody wanted to get. Uh, but he did make, make other acquisitions. Uh, right now, we've had the benefit of seeing all of them play at least mm-hmm. one game Montreal Canadiens. So if you had to rate Mark Bergevin now, what he did at trade deadline, like what are your what are your thoughts? 
Uh, it's a little early to come in with a definitive <laughs> rating on uh, what uh, what he's done at the trade deadline. I mean, we always kind of try to pick winners and losers on trade deadline day as it happens, but uh, that isn't really seen through until uh, until you see the playoff run and how they execute in the playoffs and getting to the playoffs. But uh, initial impressions, I'm I'm happier today with the moves than I was with the moves when they were made on trade deadline day. I think the fact that we were all anticipating some sort of big maneuver um, and then it didn't come to fruition, there was that level of uh, disappointment that cost the shadow over the, the players that he did actually acquire, which have been a benefit to the team and I think will continue to pay dividends uh, moving uh, forward. But that, that initial disappointment was just a little bit tough to get over. I, uh, the night before the trade deadline, when they moved David DeArnais to Edmonton and it appeared that there was a little bit of a shifting of salary moving on there and it looked like Bergevin was setting himself up to do something big the next day, you kind of cranked that anticipation level up to a point that it didn't live up to. And now that we have a little bit more time to sort of reflect on that, I do like what Steve Ott brings to this team. I know everyone's kind of been uh, joking about it on uh, on social media and whatnot that, uh, you know, there's your uh, big change to the, the have scoring problems, bring in Steve Ott, ha, ha, ha. But really, I do like what he brings to this team. Uh, Bergevin said it during the press conference that uh, one of the reasons he went out and got Steve Ott, well, first of all, the price was right. Second of all, uh, Kirk Muller uh, was the person who vouched for him. And uh, if Kirk Muller, who was one of those integral parts to building that uh, the Stanley Cup here, uh, he's the kind of guy who knows what pieces need to get uh, added to a team. And if, Steve, if he's behind Steve Ott, I'm behind Steve Ott. I've also liked what Ott has done so far for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he was on the ice for uh, that first goal against the Rangers, and I don't think a lot of people thought he would be. Uh, uh, but he's uh, he's been a guy that I've been uh, pleasantly surprised with. Uh, I would have said until watching that game uh, against the Flames on Thursday that Jordy Ben was a uh, guy who was playing well beyond uh, what we were expecting from him. Uh, you know, a guy coming in with a 1.1 salary cap hit, he looked like a gigantic bargain, but I think we saw him regress to the mean a little bit in that uh, Calgary game, those giveaways. And, uh, you know, when he's on, I started to develop the opinion that he might be the best defender, pure defender that the Montreal Canadiens have on their team right now. But when you have giveaways like he, we saw against that uh, in that game uh, against Calgary, those, those are just kind of things that are that are team killers and game killers. So uh, still, the jury's kind of out on him. But when he's on his game, I'm very impressed with what Jordy Ben has brought in. And I know that was a guy that uh, people kind of just raised their eyebrows, going, "Oh, the the brother, the brother. We got the brother of uh, the player that we all wanted." But uh, he's out there now, and he's doing well. Davidson, I think the uh, jury's still out on him. We haven't really had much of a book. He played that one game that I honestly didn't even really notice him doing very much out there. But uh, build as a puck-moving defender and something that the Montreal Canadiens need a little bit more of since the P.K. PK Subban trade. I think getting out of that zone, uh, if you can add another guy who can move the puck a little bit, that's probably a, a benefit to the team uh, as well. And then, you know, Martinson, just a big body up front. Um, and King, again, a guy who can move up and down the lineup, uh, can play with your uh, uh, on your second line if you need him to be. And uh, when you 
look at the projections of what we might see the Montreal Canadiens running into in the first round, if they run into a team, say, like a Columbus Blue Jackets, they're going to want that additional size. So I like the flexibility that Bergevin added to the team by adding a little bit of that sandpaper that he said, uh, that the way he described it, because now you can play a little bit more small ball or you can play big ball uh, depending on the matchups that you're running into in the playoffs. So it gives Coach Claude Julien uh, a few more options. Uh, it wasn't the part of the team that everyone wanted to see fixed, but it was also, but it was still a part of the team that needed to be addressed in a way that would allow the Habs to have that flexibility moving forward to the playoffs. So uh, I'm going to hold back on giving Mark Bergevin an (laughs) overall grade, but uh, uh, let's just look at it now and say that improvements were made. And one thing I did say on trade deadline day when a lot of people were kicking and screaming about the fact that he didn't pick up the top six forward is that, Picking up five players within the last few days to the deadline is not doing nothing. Those are tweaks, and those are the kind of things that maybe you don't see as the big splash move, but those little tiny moves that can sort of get you third and fourth line guys is what Bergevin has been known for doing best. And those are the kind of things that can win you a playoff game here and there when things get down to those really tight games like I was talking about earlier. And speaking of the playoffs, uh, this week on the Montreal Canadiens uh, website, they they posted an interview that was done between Mark Denis and uh, Mark Bergevin the day after trade deadline. And in that video, Mark Bergevin says that the Canadiens, they want to go into the playoffs and cause damage, is, is, or the quote that he used uh, with the acquisitions that, uh, that he made. Do you think the Canadiens are built for like a deep playoff run? Assuming health. Well, I like. Well, I, I think you have to look at the the way the playoffs are structured and look at the division that the Montreal Canadiens are in. If if you think there's anything less than making it to the conference finals, that would be an absolute disappointment. They're in a very weak division, and it's going to be wide open. You almost are looking at the way things are panning out right now, and hoping if you're Ottawa, Boston, or Montreal, that maybe falling to second place in the Atlantic would be beneficial because then you're not going to have to face that first crossover team uh, from the Metropolitan Division where clearly the the meat of the Eastern Conference lies right now. So if you're talking about doing damage going into the playoffs, uh, an Eastern Conference final is completely within uh, a realistic shot for any team playing through that Atlantic. Uh, And if talk about what those other teams are going to have to go through to get through the Metropolitan Division, you don't know what kind of shape that team is going to be in the winner of the Metropolitan by the time they face the Atlantic. You might face a Washington Capitals team. I know Capitals getting past the second round is pretty optimistic, but you might face a Washington Capitals team or a Pittsburgh Penguins team or a Columbus Blue Jackets team or a New York Rangers team that have been beat up in those first two rounds to a level that they are almost unrecognizable uh, from the team that they were before they went into the playoffs. So the door is open for any team coming through the Atlantic. If you can win those tight games, if you have that bit of muscle, if you have that ability to wear teams down and you don't get beat up too badly in those first two rounds, you could come into that metropolitan uh, showdown for the East 
and things could look pretty good for you there. And then, of course, when you make it to the final, all bets are off at that point. So uh, there is a path for the Montreal Canadiens to go out there and make some damage done in the playoffs. Whether or not they can actually get it done or not will depend on Carey Price's ability to pull out those one-goal games when it matters the most. But look at the path. It's open for any team coming through that Atlantic or, of course, that first wildcard team coming out of the Metropolitan Division as well. And uh, one last question, Doug, before we let you go. Uh, Alexi Emlin, in the last seven to ten days, at least this week, the spotlight has been on him in and out of the lineup. He's made a couple of uh, bad decisions on the ice. Uh, what do mm-hmm. you think his role Uh, should be with uh, with the Montreal Canadiens? Well, I hope that what this benching did for him in this week is the wake-up call uh, that he needs because I believe I, I'm on page with Claude Julien when he says this guy has the talent to be an everyday uh, NHLer. I, I don't understand what has kind of ailed him recently and why his decision-making has taken such a turn for the South, but you know, we talk about physicality and those tight games and Alexi Emlin is the kind of guy that you want to be in there, but not when he's making some of the decisions that you've been seeing him make. And maybe this one game that he sat out where Davidson came in for him is enough to sort of spur him forward. This is where coaching comes in and getting the best out of your players. So I think it lies, of course, on the player actually getting it done. But let's see how Julian handles this because this is a guy who, when he is playing, is an NHLer who can play in your top four. Uh, he's not the puck-moving kind of guy that uh, you might need against certain matchups, but he's got that physicality that the Habs you know, haven't really uh, seen, haven't really had enough of on the blue line. I mean, Shea Weber was guy coming in uh, to do that, but until he flattened uh, Sedin behind the net in Vancouver, uh, where were these big time hits that Weber was sold on? I think that has been lacking a lot. So you kind of have to look at the rest of the squad and say, okay, well, if Weber's going to only be bringing this at a uh, one-out-of-four game kind of ratio, we're going to need a little bit more uh, beef back there, and I think Emelin can be that guy. So I I wouldn't sell the farm on uh, Alexi Emelin just yet. I'm hoping that this coaching uh, maneuvering here by uh, Claude Julien will get him back playing on form, but you know what? That's why Bergevin also went out and got that extra depth on defense as well to give his coach some options, and if you like the Nesterovs and if you like um, the Davidsons of this world as far as matchups are concerned, I think that you have that option now where you're not pinned in to playing Alexi Emlin because there is no depth behind it or there is someone another player who is uh, deficient uh, even when Emlin's on a bad night or uh, not playing at the top of his game. All right, thank you very much, Doug. I will be watching you weekdays on the CBC Montreal. Thank you very much for having me on, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, Chris. Perfect. Thank you very much. Cheers, man. All right, so that was uh, Douglas Galvin, from a sports anchor from CBC Montreal, joining us to talk uh, some Montreal Canadiens. We're going to take our final break. Uh, on the other side, we're going to tackle our question of the day. Claude Julien has focused on rebuilding the confidence of the players. As a fan, 
Has your confidence increased in the Canadians? Let us know via Twitter at Habs360. And you can also leave us your comments on uh, the All Habs Facebook page. Uh, as well, you heard uh, Douglas speaking about Alexi Emlin as a number four defenseman. The top four is where he sees him. Do you agree with that? What do you think Alexi Emelin's role should be? Let us know via Twitter as well. You can also give us a call toll-free at 1-877-455-4945. Stay with us. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs360 podcast and Anthony from r2canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season. The contest will run during every Habs home game in the regular season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of r2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs360 podcast and follow Habs360 and Habs Happy on Twitter for more details. And for high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Good luck. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to the Habs 360 podcast for the Saturday, March 11, 2017. My name is Chris G at ChrisG1980 on Twitter. Uh, the Canadians, because of the time zone difference with Calgary, are practicing, uh, sorry, in Edmonton, are practicing uh, right now. And there's quite some news that are coming out from uh, from practice. So Brian Flynn is injured. Well, it's not a practice. Nikita Nesterov has a therapy day. And as I mentioned earlier, Paul Byron is sick. So those three players not at practice. Uh, Thomas Plekanet is wearing a non-contact jersey. Alex Radulov, he's wearing a regular jersey. So it seems like he'll be ready to play uh, against the uh, the Oilers. And there's some new lines. Pacioretty with Dano and Shaw. Then Lekkonen with Yalchenyuk and Radulov. King with Mitchell and Gallagher. And Martinson with Ott 
and McCarron. So it looks like Radulov is back and they're breaking up that uh, radulov Pacioretty duo, which I'm, I'm surprised they've been doing that because, well, they've had lots of uh, success. On defense, it's a Markov and Weber, Emlin with Petrie, and a Bowyer with and a Ben. So not changes on the um, on a defensive pairing for the Montreal Canadiens. So we'll, we'll definitely keep eye, uh, our eye on that. The biggest thing, you know, you come into a team, you know, you can feel that, you know, everyone has confidence and the, the mood's different. You know, everyone's happy and, uh, you know, things are just rolling. And and uh, so for us new guys, you know, it's just to come in and, you know, try to observe and see what see what everyone's doing and uh, just try to follow. So those were the comments from Martinson prior to the game against the Vancouver Canucks. And he's talking a lot about how everybody's happy. And Claude Julien has been talking a lot about... Um, confidence and around the players and that well inspired our question of the day today is well you as a Montreal Canadiens fan has your confidence increased in the Canadian so let's see uh, what our followers said on the Twitter uh, Justin writes yes there seems to be more confidence amongst the players especially Carey Price so this resonates greatly to the fans including myself uh, Gordon Williams, Claude Julian said flat, no energy, not skating, moving feet versus Calgary, puzzling. Only 24 shots, will be strong the next game. So thank you for the tweet, Gordon. Uh, Blaine from uh, allhabs.net staff writer writes, Habs have been consistently out chanting, hitting opponents and scoring is slowly coming, but needs a boost, and writes Chris Terry. So we did speak about Chris Terry in uh, last week's um, episode. And well, we'll see if Chris Terry or Charles Ludon or anybody else from the, the St. John's Ice Caps will get any ice time. And well, Mark Bergen, I said that if one of these players get called up, they're not going to get called up to uh, to not play. So it looks like there'll have to be some kind of injury before one of these players uh, gets a chance. And then Amy Johnson from the AHL Dot Report goes on the road with Rick, and they watch the uh, the Ice Caps very closely. So if you definitely uh, want to know the exact story on uh, the Ice Caps and not from people who watch the, the scoring sheets only, they watch and they cover every single game. So Amy writes, while Terry, you don't have been impactful. Jacob De La Rose also fantastic since call up point night after night. So that's a name that we haven't uh, heard a lot of lately from the Canadians. And who's, who knows, that may be a, um, a change of a coach. Now, Coach Julian might have an impact on somebody like a Jacob De La Rose as well. Skills, she writes, yes, but not because of the scores, but because they show up most games. Calgary's an exception. They seem to have that flu bug. So thank you for uh, the tweet. Uh, Amen D writes, yes, but a little bit worried about goal scoring. So thank you for the tweet. And then uh, Jim writes, great question. Zero confidence after a sickening 5 nothing shutout loss versus the Flames. Two teams with winning streaks and Habs got uh, the full solo. So that's what's going on on the uh, Twitterverse. Right now, actually, Jim, 
he's, he's, he continues tweeting and he writes, if Habs don't win against the Oilers, then Hawks sends, sends will kill this team's confidence for the season. Take a look ahead, not back. So now let's go to as the All Habs Facebook page. Rob Rochefort writes, yes and no. Team winning more, but in great part due to goals against. Team can't afford to not having any players in the top six out of lineup, let alone price. Picking up Julien was the right move. They were close to repeating last year's collapse. Hope Julien can fix the power play. The next comment on Facebook. Gord Linus writes, this was the best move Bergevin has made since taking over. Terrier is and always has been a loose cannon. The players couldn't stand him. They gave up last year. They were giving up this year. Now, if only the <laughs> loser GM can get up, get us a top six forward next season, we might be there. If not, his five years are up, and let's move on. Peter Graham writes, yes, because of the relationship between Price and Julien and the pickups at the uh, trade deadline. Don Huntington writes, to quote the uh, Cape Bretoner, I get nervous every time I see them play. Ernie Parento writes, not after the game against the uh, Calgary Flames. And Craig Hope writes the same thing, not until the dismal effort against the, the Flames and the same for Jeremy Foote. So, so thank you very much, everybody, for leaving your comments on the Facebook page as well. You can continue and join in that uh, conversation. We, we, we've spoken about Alexi Emlin as well in today's episode, and I asked uh, Douglas Galvin when you joined us in the last segment, where do you, where do you see Alexi Emlin's role being? He sees as a top four defenseman. So we asked the same question on uh, Twitter, and uh, we got a couple of tweets. First one comes from uh, Jeff Greger, who writes, trade bait, water boy, or statistician. Skills writes, expansion bait, Jordy Ben fills his role. And the last tweet comes from Pierre Picard, who says, taping sticks for the six men that dress, he should not play ever. So thank you very much for the tweet. So it looks like uh, our, our followers aren't too impressed with uh, Alexi uh, Emblem. Uh, just to go back to the question of the day, so I give my opinion whether or not um, I have confidence in the Canadians. I think it's hard not to right now. Uh, there was that one game against the Calgary Flames, then there's a game against the Jets. But overall, you look at Terry Price, he's playing with lots of confidence. So when Terry Price plays with confidence, the team is going to play well. I think they're going to do have more confidence in the team, definitely, than during the final stretch of the Michel Terrier era. And Claude he comes with an impressive background, impressive uh, baggage like they say. So it's definitely, uh, I'm definitely confident for the Canadians. Am I confident enough for a deep playoff run? The answer to that question is no. But like Douglas mentioned, a conference final, it's within reach for the Canadians. And that I definitely agree that the Canadians definitely have what it takes to at least get to a conference final, obviously assuming a healthy team. The Canadians, it's a light schedule from now to our next episode. They're only playing two games tomorrow night against the Edmonton Oilers in Edmonton. And then on Tuesday, they're heading back home to face the Chicago Blackhawks. 
So I want to thank Rick Stevens, who joined us in the first segment for our winners and the losers of the week. Remember, you can follow the coverage on the AHL.report on Instagram and on the AHL Report Twitter account as well. Rick will be back with us uh, next week. also like to thank Douglas Gellivan, sports anchor on CBC Montreal, who joined us to talk about Montreal Canadiens. You can watch him weeknights on, uh, on the television. And I want to thank everybody who left their comments on the All Habs Facebook page and sent us their tweets on, at uh, Habs360. On next week's episode, we'll be looking ahead at a um, kind of unusual stretch for the Canadians. We'll be facing the Ottawa Senators three times in a period of eight days. And as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, it's a tight race between those two teams. So definitely there will be some importance around that uh, mini playoff series between these two teams. My name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisG1980. We'll be back next Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, for another edition of the Habs 360 Podcast. Enjoy the week, everybody. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net.